أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Brothers and sisters and welcome to session number 20 of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program We will be beginning today with page number 86 of the Holy Quran An example of why Allah had major issues with Bani Israel. As um, we've all seen so far, um, from Surah Baqarah all the way to Surah Ali Imran, um, we, we saw there are many verses that we covered and we did not cover um, in our previous uh, lessons and sessions that had to do something to do with Bani Israel and the mistakes they would make. I would say that there are more that we did not cover, we're not able to cover because we're just doing a lesson per page. Some pages of the Qur'an might have two or three lessons, you know, in regards to the Bani Israel. But anyway, um, why the Bani Israel? Allah had so many, some, such issues with them, goes back to certain things that they would say, certain things they would do, which in turn would go back to certain mentalities that they would have and certain ideologies they had. And so here on page 86, it kind of lets us, gives us an example of why they were so problematic. Alright, so let us re recite the verse and then we'll get into uh, the details of that. Verse number 46 of Surah An-Nisa. من الذين هادوا يحرفون الكلمة عن مواضعه ويقولون سمعنا وعصينا واسمع غير مسمع وراعنا ليم بألسنتهم وطعنا في الدين ولو أنهم قالوا سمعنا وأطعنا واسمع وانظرنا لكان خيرا لهم وأقوم ولكن لعنهم الله بكفرهم فلا يؤمنون إلا قليلا among the Yahud are those who alter words from their meanings and say, we hear and disobey, and hear without listening, and ra'ina, twisting their tongues and reviling the faith. But had they said, we hear and obey, and listen, and unzurna, it would have been better for them and more upright. But Allah has cursed them for their faithlessness so they will not believe except a few. Okay, so there are some little terms here that I need to explain uh, so that we know what's going on. Three things that the verse is speaking of. But before getting into those three things, the verse gives us a general statement, a general problem that Bani Israel had. Um, and that is that... Uh, they would يُحَرِّفُونَ الْكَلِمَةَ عَنْ مَوَاضِعِهِ was translated to they would alter words from their meanings or from where they are supposed to be placed. Okay, so um, what is meant by that? There are different interpretations and different opinions on that. One of the opinions which isn't bad is that uh, the verse itself goes on to give us examples of how they were altering words from their meanings or from the, the place that those words were supposed to be placed in sentences and so on. So three examples have been given to us 
um, in this verse, verse number 46. The first one is that these Yahud, what they would do is that they would use expressions but twist them to have a bad meaning instead of the good meaning that that expression is supposed to have. So for example, in Arabic, if you want to show your obedience to someone in total submission to someone, what do you say? You say, Sam'an wa ta'atan. Or if they tell you to do something, you say, Sami'na wa ata'na. All I needed to do was hear you, and that's it. Me hearing equals my obedience. Yes? What would they say now? When the Prophet is speaking, when the Prophet is giving commands, what they would say is, Sami'na, we heard. And instead of saying وَأَطَعْنَا and we obeyed, they say وَعَصَيْنَا and we disobey. And so that's why the verse says that they would say we hear and disobey. They should have been saying something else that later on in the verse it tells us. It says if they had said we hear and obey, it would have been better for them. Okay, But that's not what they were saying. So they are mocking the Prophet. They are disrespecting the Prophet. They are trying to break the Prophet through these words that they're using in the wrong place, on purpose. So that's the first example. Second example is what they would say, Isma' ghayra musma' So once again in Arabic, for example, if you want someone to hear you, you say Isma', which means listen, hear. And then you'll end it with Asma'akallah, may Allah make you hearing, you know, something like that. Or just Isma' on its own, listen. What would these guys say though? What they would say when they are, for example, I don't know, addressing the Prophet, they, when they want the Prophet to listen to them, they'll say Isma' ghayra musma'in, that listen to us while you can't listen and you can't hear. Allah is not allowing you to hear things like that. So instead of praying or being or having that courtesy and respect, or you know, going by the formalities of isma asma'akallah, may Allah make you of the hearing ones. What would they say? They say may may Allah make you of the non-hearing ones. Ghayra musma. So that's number two. Another example of how they are mocking how they're not taking things serious and disrespecting the Holy Prophet And another example of this disrespect that they have is that uh, they would use the word ra'ina or according to some versions of the word ra'inna instead of undurna. What's the story behind that? The story behind that is that when the Prophet sometimes would speak to the people and his companions, those around him, and they wanted to follow and take in everything that the Prophet is saying. If they wanted him to slow down so that they can catch up, if they can so they can follow, they would say, Undurna, Undurna, O Prophet of Allah, Undurna. Undurna means like, you know, watch out for us, you know, have our backs, give us give us some time, give us some respite, let us catch up. Okay, that's what undurna means. But what these people would do, the Yahud, some of the Yahud, 
is they would say instead of unzurna they would say ra'ina. Now, as I said, either either ra'ina or ra'inna, whatever the uh, whatever the pronunciation of it is. So there there are two versions of this word. Ra'ina in the Hebrew language would mean the same thing that we covered. Isma' ghayra musma' May you not hear. Something like that. Or listen without being able to hear. Something like that. Either they would say ra'ina which means what I just said or ra'inna which means make us stupid. So these people who were saying unzurna, O Prophet, unzurna, you know, give us a chance to catch up so that what? They can benefit, so they can gain knowledge, right? The Yahud are saying ra'inna, meaning what? O Prophet, make us stupid, meaning the stuff that you teach us isn't giving us knowledge, it's just making us stupider. Na'udhu billah, we seek refuge in Allah from such disrespect. But that that's what they were doing, they were playing with these words, okay? Because ra'ina in Arabic can also mean the same thing as unzurna. So you see how they were playing with words? They are using a word that can mean unzurna, but it can also mean other bad things. Of, you know, make us stupid or make us this, make us that. So this is what this is how this is how they were. You see, sometimes, brothers and sisters, you're against something, but you keep the respect at the end of the day. Sometimes no, you disrespect that thing as well. Now, our understanding is that the Yahud of that time were convinced that this is the Holy Prophet of Allah. They are supposed to follow him. But because of whatever reasons they had, which were not justified, they're going against them. Okay, it's one thing to go against him. It's another thing to disrespect to this extent. And this is what they're doing. But look, there are a couple of points I want to share with you. A few points here in this verse that I want to share with you. It says, although these people were horrible people, the Qur'an, going back to the lesson we had before as well, about how Allah is fair and keeps the balance even when He's calling people out. Here He's calling them out, but He makes sure to use the word among the Jews. مِنَ الَّذِينَ هَادُوا right? Among the ones who are the Jews, there are some who do this. So it's not just labeling all of them or painting them all with the same brush. This is very important. Once again, it's reminding us to be fair in our discourse with others. When we are talking to people, even if we're going to call a people out, to make sure that we are being fair at the end of the day. Right? Allah is being fair. Not all of them, but there are some of them who do this. It might have even been all of them. We don't know. But we know for, for sure that it was some of them now because that's not that the verse the wording of the verse. That's one point I wanted to make. Allah is being fair here. Number two, these people are being the exact opposite of what we talked about in previous sessions of being smart. If you're, uh, if you're going to sin even, to be smart about it, to be in a way that you don't close all the doors of return to Allah the way you do that sin. Here, these people, they're closing all the doors. It's all misguidance that's going to come their way as a result of the sacrilege. They are committing the disrespect that they are committing towards the Holy Prophet If you're going to uh, not embrace the faith, be smart about it at least. You know that this is a Prophet of God. So be smart about it. Just be like, I'm not going to embrace the faith and walk away, mind your own business. Why do you have to make it so much worse for yourself? Yeah, to the point where Allah in the end of the verse he says, but Allah has cursed them for their faithlessness. 
so they will not believe except a few. Most of them, they're not going to ever turn back. Their hearts are so sick that there is no turning back for them. They've done the worst thing that possible, which is to disrespect the Holy Prophet. So be smart. As I said before, be smart a little bit. At least leave the door open a little bit. Leave the window cracked open a little bit for some oxygen to come in for yourself if you ever want to like turn back and go towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the way these guys did it, nope. There is no turning back for them, it seems, because of the way they were dealing with the Holy Prophet And so this is, I would say, a good example of kufr in the Qur'an. I've said this many times before as well. Kafir in the Qur'an, it seems, is not just anyone who's non-Muslim. Although we will use that term today in that way, and we'll say kafir means non-Muslim. This person is a kafir, meaning they're not Muslim. But in the Qur'an, it's not just, it, it, I mean, it, it seems that it's not just the fact that someone's not Muslim. No, a person who knows that Islam is the truth and yet steps away from it and disrespects it and so on. This right here, what the Yahud of the Holy Prophet's time were committing and doing is a good example of proper kufr. This guy is like really bad because they're disrespecting alongside turning away from the truth when they know it's there when they know it is the truth. So brothers and sisters, if you ever want to make Allah angry, this is how you make Allah angry, okay? Or else it's not that easy maybe even to make Allah angry to the point where He says, uh, you know what, you all are cursed to the point that you just won't be able to believe in the, in, in the tr true faith anymore. You've, you've, you've become so wretched, you've become so sick at your hearts, there is no turning back for you. Yeah? One last point I want to make here is that this is talking about the Yahud of the Prophet's time It doesn't mean that now, okay, oh, we have to be Yahud haters or something. No. The Yahud of the Prophet's time, some of them were making this mistake. The Qur'an is letting us know what the mistake was that they were making. So we, inshallah, we don't make a, such a mistake. Page number 87 of the Holy Qur'an. The Hierarchy of Authority in Islam. It all begins with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then it goes down to the rest. But it's all Allah at the end of the day. This hierarchy is um, touched on in the Qur'an. Very clearly we all know after the Holy Prophet authority lies in the hands of, uh, excuse me, the, uh, in, it starts with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, goes on to the Holy Prophet and then after that is where the discussion begins. Who does it go to after the Holy Prophet So let's recite the verse and get to that. Verse number 59 of Surah An-Nisa. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu ati'u Allah wa ati'u al-Rasool wa uli al-Amri minkum. فَإِن تَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ ذَلِكَ خَيْرٌ وَأَحْسَنُ تَأْوِيلًا O you who have faith, obey Allah and obey the Apostle, obey the Messenger and those vested with authority among you. And if you dispute concerning anything, refer it to Allah and the Apostle if you have faith in Allah and the last day. So if you ever have any dispute amongst each other, you have disagreements, you have problems, you're supposed to go back to see what the Holy Prophet 
uh, tells you, and that is what Allah wants from you, right? That is better and more favorable in outcome. Better here means you have, it doesn't mean that you have other options, this one's better. Better here means this is the only way forward. <laughs> Alright, so very clearly the verse speaks of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, speaks of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, and then speaks of a group of people called Ulul Amr. Who are these Ulul Amr? The ones who possess authority. Okay? The verse doesn't open it up more. But there are, and that's why there are many different opinions on who this is exactly is speaking of. So I'm going to share with you, let's see here, seven opinions that are out there in regards to who Ulul Amr are. All right, Ulul Amr literally means possessors of authority, those vested with authority. So the first opinion that I want to share with you is, and this has proponents, um, and supporters this idea that anyone who has power, that's what the verse is saying, right? Ulul Amr, the ones who have power. Did it say if they're good people, bad people? No. Did it say those who um, got this power by force, got this power through oppression and oppressing others? Doesn't say anything about that. All it says is, if there's someone that is above you, that has authority over you, obey them. Now someone here might say, that, that's dumb, that doesn't make sense. Why should we obey just anybody? They'll answer, they'll probably answer with this answer. They'll say, well, obeying that person doesn't necessarily mean that they are justified in what they're doing, or that they are good individuals necessary. All it means is that, look, just don't get yourself in trouble. Obey them, all right. Which is kind of uh, weird because it was speaking about obeying Allah, the greatest of all, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa the second greatest of all, and all of a sudden it's talking about you can you can uh, uh, you can you have to follow any other loser out there. It you don't see that compatibility between these three. But anyway. This, um, this opinion will hold that anybody who took over by force, follow them. And then if the next day that person is killed by somebody else, follow that person. So it doesn't matter if it's Amin or Ma'mun, whoever wins, right? You follow them. And eventually Ma'mun killed his brother Amin. And so Ma'mun is Khalifa now. Follow him. Marwan defeated uh, Abdullah bin Zubair, follow Marwan, and so on and so forth. The Marwanites, I mean, defeated Zubair, follow him. Zubair defeated Bukhtar, Zubair defeated this person, Yazid defeated that person. It doesn't matter. Whoever defeated whoever, follow them. Now you have to obey them, give them your bay'ah and, and your allegiance. Yeah. We don't even need to talk about, and I'm not going to get into the refutation for each of these, but some of these don't even need refutation. Just the opinion itself uh, uh, reeks of self-refutation, you know? But anyway, <clears throat> that's one opinion. Another opinion says, no, 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 no. You are, it's wajib for you to obey those who have power as long as they aren't going against Islam. Okay? This one's better than the previous one, but still this one like has problems. Like, so the question is, what if that person came by force and oppression? But now they're not oppressing anyone anymore. They're like, okay, we're good now. Now that I have power, I'm going to do things you know, by Islam and Islamic standards. 
let's say Ma'mun, I mean, he is kind of revered by some. Ma'mun kills his brother Amin, who was Khalifa before him, successor to Harun al-Rashid. All right, Amin is killed by Ma'mun. Ma'mun now is going by Islam. He is putting together uh, debates between scholars of different faiths and he is pushing Islam forward and all that. So we will follow him because right now he's not going against Islam. That's another opinion. There's a third opinion that says, no, no, no. What is meant here is the scholars and the thinkers. <clears throat> the fourth opinion says, no, it is the fourth, the four rightly guided Khulafa, Al-Khulafa Al-Rashidun, starting with Abu Bakr and ending with Ali ibn Abi Talib salam. And so that verse will not be applicable to us today because those four Khalifas came and went. Uh, opinion number six says, commanders of the Islamic army, those are the ones that you have to obey and follow. And finally, you have the Shi'i perspective of things and the Shi'i opinion that holds that no, no, ulil amr here means those who have authority, right? Not because they got it by force or anything. No, because it is something that was given to them in a divine way. They were appointed divinely by God. That's what the Shi'i school of thought will hold. And of course, these people will be infallible. So, brothers and sisters, really, I think I would say it goes back to how one gets authority in Islam. Okay? If you are of the opinion that, for example, after the Holy Prophet passes away, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi, in any way possible, if power comes to you, then you are justified in having that power, then okay, you will probably have one of the pre first six opinions that we talked about. So for example, the first Khalifa came um, by you know, what happened in Saqifah and then ensuing uh, bay'ah from the people. Another one will be chosen by the previous Khalifa. For example, the second Khalifa was chosen by the first one. That also is a way of gaining authority, so now it's wajib to follow. Someone will be chosen by a six-person council, like the third Khalifa, same thing. Someone will be chosen by unanimously by all the people, the fourth Khalifa, Ali ibn Abi Talib The fifth one will be chosen because of defeating, well, I can't even use the word defeating here, but because of an arbitration that took place after Safin. In his eyes, he was chosen as Khalifa now after that Muawiyah. Okay, that's how he becomes Khalifa. Another one will become Khalifa because of his father being Khalifa, like Yazid. So if you are of the opinion that authority comes from di in different ways, but once it comes, it's, it's binding on you to obey and follow, then you will probably have one of these, six above, these uh, first six opinions that I discussed or went over. But if you are of the opinion that no, 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 divine author authority is a divine matter and it, is and it is put in certain individuals and those people are identified by God and His Prophet then no, you cannot adhere to one of these six opinions that were mentioned. You have no choice but to say that when the Qur'an says those who have authority, meaning what? Meaning those that Allah acknowledges their authority and who are they? They are none other than and the ma'sumin uh, that we as the Shia believe in. So this is where the difference of opinion will come. So there are a few points here now um, in this verse that I want to share with you. Number one, 
um, is that the verb ati'u has been mentioned twice, as you can see. Okay? Once for Allah and once for the Holy Prophet which the Mufassirin have explained that it shows and implies that the obedience we have towards Allah is different than the obedience we have towards the Holy Prophet or else the verb didn't need to be repeated. It would have just said, Obey Allah and the Prophet and Ulul Amr. Why is there a need to repeat it? Because that one, the first obedience, is one that primarily belongs to Allah, in essence belongs to Allah. And it is through His permission and dictation that we have to follow the Holy Prophet. So the authority of the Prophet is not independently His, it comes from Allah's authority which is independent. Hence, the repetition of the verb to show that something there's something else going on here. It's not the same obedience. Obey Allah because obedience belongs to Him independently and originally and primarily. Obey the Prophet because the obedience that the Prophet deserves is not independent. As a matter of fact, it comes from Allah. And that is why, and this is my second point now, and that is why ati'u is not repeated a third time, they will say, for ulul amr, to show that the same type of obedience the Prophet has also belongs to the ulul amr. So Allah was independently to be obeyed. The Prophet, his authority is not independent, comes from Allah. And similarly, that same type of authority that, that goes to the Prophet is also for Ulul Amr. Hence, not, there is no third repetition of the verb. Okay? The same obedience lies with the Prophet that lies with Ulul Amr. Okay? Now, does that mean that they are at the same level? Not necessarily. The Holy Prophet according to our hadiths, is, at the, is, is the highest of creation of Allah. But the way we obey Him is going to be the same that we obey the Ulul Amr according to this understanding of the verse. Another point that I want to get out of this is that, wow, <clears throat> if, if the obedience of the Ulul Amr is of the same genre, and the same type of obedience that we have to have towards the Prophet, right? That makes this Ulul Amr a very special group of people, not just your everyday person. Okay? And some will argue that we even were, are able to derive infallibility from this verse. The same infallibility that the Holy Prophet has, which will cause a person to uh, have to obey him unconditionally that same infallibility will be with the Ulul Amr as well. Not everyone will agree on this point though, brothers and sisters. There might be different opinions on this one. But all in all, some might argue that that's how far we can take it even with, from the fact that you know, the obedience that we're supposed to have to the Prophet is the same that we're supposed to have towards Ulul Amr. Unquestionable, unconditional obedience towards them. All right. But as I said, in the end, it will all, I personally believe, go back to how you see authority, where does it come from uh, when it comes to uh, individuals other than the Holy Prophet? Do you just see what happens 
and then whoever you know is in power, they are to be followed or no? Do you feel that that this is something that is divinely handed down to other individuals after the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Okay, page number eighty-eight of the Holy Quran. True belief equals total submission to the Holy Prophet, or I or I want to say equals total, absolute, unconditional, utter, sheer submission to the Holy Prophet Why I say that, you'll see why I say it like that, okay? Um, this verse that we're going to cover on this page, uh, 88, it doesn't even talk about just, you know, being submitted to the Holy Prophet when the Holy Prophet tells you to do something or not do something. It goes a step further, or even two steps further, one can take it even sometimes. Of no, no, it's not just actions and the do's and don'ts. It's it's it, even in the heart you have to be submitted to the Holy Prophet. Let's see, let's see the details of that, inshallah. Verse number 65 of Surah An-Nisa. Fala warabbika la yu'minuna hatta yuhakkimuka fi ma shajara baynahum. ثُمَّ لَا يَجِدُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَرَجًا مِمَّا قَضَيْتَ وَيُسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا But no, by your Lord they will not believe until they make you a judge in their disputes. They come to you for judgment. They don't go anywhere else. Okay, so those, these are the do's and don'ts. Like they have to come to you. Is that enough though? No. Then do not find within their hearts any dissent to your verdict and submit in full submission. So you see it says, يُسَلِّمُوا taslima, And this is why some of our scholars, they say in that other famous verse that says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُسَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمَا They believe, some of our scholars at least, if not a good number of them, Believe that Salimu Taslima in that verse doesn't mean say salam to the Prophet and send your peace upon him. Send your peace and blessings upon him is with Sallu Alayh. Salimu Taslima means be submitted to him and his will and whatever he says. Alright? Anyway, having said that, there are different Sha'n al Nuzuls for this, for this verse. Sha'n al Nuzul means occasion of the revelation of a verse. What took place that as a result of that occasion or thing that happened, uh, this verse was sent down. Okay? That's called Sha'n al-Nuzul. And, and the brothers and sisters need to remember this term because this term, we have books on them, the different Sha'n al-Nuzuls of verses. Many of the verses of the Qur'an, something takes place during the Prophet's time and that's why a verse is revealed. So here there are different Sha'n al-Nuzuls that have been mentioned, so there is a little bit of a difference of opinion on why exactly this verse was revealed. But the more famous one I can say is this one, that it says that Zubair bin Awam, the cousin of the Holy Prophet and one of the grand companions of the Holy Prophet he has a dispute with one of the Ansar, with one of the main inhabitants of Medina, uh, Zubair, of course, he's from Mecca, he's one of the Muhajireen. Anyway, the Ansar and Muhajireen, they're living together uh, during the Prophet's time. And so he has a dispute with him over the irrigation of his crops and orchard or orchards or whatever he had. 
Um, and those of you who know, you know how it works, especially in the past, how you know you have to take turns with irrigation. Um, water has to be channeled to different orchards and different crops. Every person will get like maybe an hour or half an hour worth of water, um, and then you have to channel it somewhere else. Anyway, they had a dispute over this. Oh, who gets the water first? And hold the Holy Prophet what he did was he ruled in favor of Zubayr. He rules in favor of him. Now, you can probably guess what happens after that. What happens after that, according to this uh, account, is that this Ansari individual, he turns to the Prophet and says, Oh, did you rule in his favor because he's your first cousin? <clears throat> That's what he tells the Holy Prophet. And from what I remember, the Holy Prophet, he gets very angry to the point that he turns kind of red. He gets very upset about this uh, and it really affects him. And then this verse is revealed to the Holy Prophet that look, people, what's wrong with you? First of all, you have to choose the Prophet to be your judge, number one. Number two, when you go to him, you have to be at peace with what he gives you as his judgment and verdict. You have to be perfectly okay with it. You should not find any tightness in your heart. You should not find any dissent in your heart regarding his judgment and verdict. Sorry. And you have to be totally submitted to him or else you are lacking in your iman. Fala wa Like Allah is doing qasam here. He is swearing by himself. He says, no, by, by your Lord we swear or I swear that what? They don't have iman. In other words, proper Iman, not just Islam, Iman, which is something that you have in your heart. It's going to only happen if they come to you, they're submitted to you and all that, but also in their heart, they don't find an issue in what you say and what judgment you pass. So there are three, there, there are three signs mentioned in this verse. You go to him for judgment, one. Two, on the outside you are submitted to him. Three, on the inside, you don't find any problem in your heart. That's one way of breaking down this verse. Okay. There are cases, brothers and sisters, here, and this is for us now. I want to talk about us a little bit. In Islam, there are cases where Allah cares what's happening inside of us. Okay. We have to understand that. It's not just the outside there. This is one of those examples. Another example of it is when it comes to our parents. Okay, there is a verse, the very, fa very famous verse or verses of Surah Isra, verses twenty-four to twenty-five, that Allah, He wants it, you to have something in your heart when it comes to your parents, not just on the outside, not that just you're tolerating them, right? Because Allah said so. Which I mean, even that's good. That's better than nothing. But no, no, He wants you to have a place for them in your heart. Why do I say that? Um, this is the understanding of, uh, of some of our Mufassirin regarding verses 24 and 25 of Surah Isra, where it says, Lower your wings of mercy, or not even mercy here, dhul means lowliness, like bring yourself down for your parents, out of mercy for them. Okay, so that means that that's something that you have to do, brothers and sisters, right? So it's an action. It's not, it has nothing to do with the heart. You might even despise, God forbid, God forbid, I hate to say this, despise them. 
but you still bring you you bring yourself down for them. Why? Because Allah said so. Okay. No, 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 no. I want you to love them to the point that you do dua for them. You do dua for them and you ask Allah to take care of them and have mercy on them the same way they raised you and took care of you when you were, so, when you were small. A person does dua for another when they like them, when they don't have a big issue or animosity towards them. And then the verse goes on. It says, "Rabbukum a'lamu bima fi nufusikum." Allah knows what's going on in your hearts, <laughs> right? In takunu salihin, you might not like them too much. At least be righteous towards them. Fa'innahu kana lil-awabina ghafura. Allah will forgive and all that. But anyway, Allah desires for us to have a place in our hearts for them. Based on what? Based on these verses that I just recited. So there will be cases where for Allah it is of the utmost importance to have that, um, some, that, that to have something inside of us as well in addition to the outside in our actions. So we have actions, brothers and sisters. The wajib and haram, Allah wants that. He wants that submission when it comes to our actions. But He also wants our submission when it comes to things of theory and facts. So for example, in Surah Muddathir, it will say, there are 19 guards, and I've spoken about this before. 19 guards guarding the hellfire, they are angels. We made their number a fitna. The Quran says, We made their number a fitna, a test for you. There are some who will accept, and there are some. So that the kafirin, the kuffar and disbelievers who have turned away the truth, although they know it's the truth, Number one. Number two, the ones who have a marad and sickness in their hearts, they say in response to this number 19 that doesn't make sense to them, why such an odd number? Mockingly, they'll say, what is he, what's he trying to say? 19? What's 19? Right? But there are others who will accept. They'll say, these are facts that are coming from Allah. You know? Facts. You know? So we're going to take it because God said it. So it's not just submission when it comes to our actions. Even when Allah gives us facts, we're like, facts, thank you. And we accept it. Or like the other very famous verse in, uh, I think it's Surah Baqarah, uh, where um, it says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَسْتَحْيِي أَنْ يَضْرِبَ مَثَلًا مَا بَعُودَةً فَمَا فَوْقَهَا Allah, He doesn't feel bad or guilty or ashamed to you know, give the example of a mosquito. Now, when he does, if he does ever give the example of a mosquito, what's going to happen is, They know, okay, Allah is giving the example of a mosquito, whatever. The mosquito is very insignificant, who cares? Allah is speaking of the mosquito, we're going to take it. Whatever Allah says, we're going to take it. This is truth from our Lord. What's going on? What's he say? They have this in their hearts. So Allah wants it all from us, inshaAllah. Allah wants us to be submitted totally in action in our hearts. That is the real meaning of ubudiyah that we've always been talking about. That the Salat al-Mustaqim is about ubudiyah, is about following Allah. That is what a slave does. Speaking of which, speaking of which, page number 89 of the Holy Quran. Obedience of Allah puts one with those that are on the straight path. 
So we recite every day in our, uh, in our uh, Salat, we recite Surah Al-Fatiha, we say, إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Oh Allah, guide us to the straight path. And then in Surah Al-Fatiha, we say, صِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ The path of those who you have done in'am on, you have blessed, you have given them something special. You have given them ni'mah. The question is, what ni'mah are we talking about here? Surah Fatiha doesn't tell us. But page 89 of, this, of, of the Holy Qur'an does tell us. So who are these ones who um, are, have this special ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is verse 69 of Surah An-Nisa. وَمَنْ يُطِعِ اللَّهَ وَالرَّسُولَ فَأُولَٰئِكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّيقِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءِ وَالصَّالِحِينَ وَحَسُنَ أُولَٰئِكَ رَفِيقًا Whoever obeys Allah and the Apostle, meaning the Messenger, they are with those whom Allah has blessed. Who are they? Including the Prophets and the Truthful, the Witnesses, and the righteous and excellent companions are they. Okay, so we can use this verse to understand what Surah Fatiha is saying, brothers and sisters, so that we can figure out what the straight path is all about, all right, which is a path of obedience. We'll talk about that. So in Surah Al-Fatiha, when we say, إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمَ it is the path of those you have blessed. Here it says, You want to be with the ones who Allah has blessed? Whoever obeys Allah and the Apostle, the Holy Prophet He is with these people. That's all this verse says. But Surah Fatiha says these people are the ones who are blessed by Allah and they are the ones who are on the straight path. In other words, if you are obeying Allah and the Prophet you are on the straight path because you are on the path of those whom Allah has blessed and these are the ones whom Allah has blessed. It's very interesting how throughout the Qur'an different verses will in one way or another, let us know that the straight path of Allah is a path of obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not just if I love Allah or if I believe in Allah. No, no, it's if I believe and I obey, if I am an abd. So let me repeat that one more time. It's very key and important how I'm bringing these two verses together. Surah Fatiha and 69 of Surah An-Nisa. Surah Fatiha said, the straight path is the path of those who Allah has blessed. Okay? Here it says, if you obey Allah and the Prophet you are with the ones who Allah has blessed. Surah Fatiha told us the ones who are blessed are on the straight path. Here it's telling us we are with those who are blessed. That means we are on the straight path with them. Why are we with the ones who are blessed? The beginning of this verse tells us because we are obedient to Allah and His Prophet Hopefully that's clear. This is a very important verse in the Holy Qur'an. 
But now let's talk about these details a little bit. Who are these four categories of people? Well, the first one is the prophets. Okay, so we know what that's all about, inshallah. The Siddiqeen, truthful. Does that mean they don't lie? No, it's more than that. The Mufassirin will tell us. <clears throat> the Mufassirin will tell us that um, Siddiqeen means those who are truthful in the sense of their actions matching their words. They practice what they preach. They walk the walk, not just talk. Okay, they're not just talk. So that's Siddiqeen. The Shuhada. Some have said means the martyrs, but in the Qur'an, the Qur'an doesn't refer to martyrs as shuhada. It refers to them as alladhina qutilu fi sabilillah, those who were killed in the way of Allah. And so here, that's why you will find, I would say, the, a bigger number of mufassireen will believe, or at least the ones that I like and follow, will say that uh, shuhada here doesn't mean martyrs, it means the witnesses. The witnesses of our actions in this life, who they are is a long story, we don't want to get into that. Okay, but they are important people. And the righteous, generally the righteous ones. Alright, but who are righteous ones? What does righteousness mean? Well, if we want to at least be of this fourth category, the verse is telling us from the beginning, مَن يُطِعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَالرَّسُولَ Whoever obeys Allah and His Prophet. Brothers and sisters, I can't stress enough how important this obedience of Allah is. There's a reason why I keep making sure to bring these verses and, and, and repeat them. In w the ones that in one way or another remind us that obedience is super important. Brother, sister who is out there, who wants to do special a'mal every now and then, who you know, will give charity in the way of God, will do a lot of things, set up programs and all of that. These are wonderful and these really can help one inshallah on the Day of Judgment. But the active ingredient in getting closer to Allah is obedience of Him and following His do's and don'ts, which we have learned through the Prophet and through the Ahl Bayt And now of course we don't have access to them, but through our maraja inshallah ta'ala. So we, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq to follow uh, these commands because that is the only way that we can inshallah be sure that we are on as-sirat al-mustaqim walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen allahumma nawwir qulubana bil-qur'an wa zayyin akhlaqana bil-qur'an wa najjina minan nari bil-qur'an wa adkhilna al-jannata bil-qur'an allahumma ja'al al-qur'an lana fi dunya qarina wa fi al-qabri munisa wa ala as-sirat nura وفي الجنة رفيقا ومن النار سترا وحجابا وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته